We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. So you may have started noticing that there's some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not actually beer. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They'll also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. See, what you may not know is that most plastic isn't actually recyclable anymore, and the plastic you throw in a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. So go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with our store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all of your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts google play TuneIn, stitcher or spotify and of course you can always find us at cheeseheadtv.com I am Maggie Loney, and I am joined by my co-host this week, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, it's just the two of us, but how are you doing this week? 
I'm I'm surprisingly good. I know that every week we try to be the optimist team and it is getting harder <laughs> and harder and harder to do. But I really think like there's some positives, some people who are much smarter than myself have been pointing out on Twitter this week and, and doing some really cool like YouTube and and other things and, and pointing out the Packers are kind of close. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can see it this weekend. And I mean, I'm always excited about Packers football. I'm excited to see this team get back on track. So I'm going to stay optimistic for at least another week. Because boy, oh boy, if they lose this game and go into Buffalo <laughs> with a below 500 record, things are not going to be good next week. Yeah, I might be on my pack-a-day maternity leave next week, so I really need to to end this on a high because if I have to end this, <laughs> my time here um, under 500, I'm going to get kicked off the team permanently. But the Packers obviously matching up, like you said, with the Commanders this weekend, and we are here as we always do um, to break down the key matchups and the X factors going into this contest. So Let's talk about, you know, I guess our, our keys for the game. Who is your starting key matchup for this Sunday at noon kickoff? I'm going to go with the Washington interior offensive line against the Packers run defense. And, you know, the Washington football team Manders have gotten really good play from their tackles so far this season. You, you take a look. Their preferred starters are Charles Leno Jr. and Samuel Cosme. And, and they have been near the top of the league, eighth and tenth out of all tackles, respectively, according to Pro Football Focus. So Cosme is banged up right now, but even his backup, Cornelius Lucas, has been really, really good. So you take that, and then the counter is their interior has been a lethal combination of bad and unavailable. The following players have taken more than 50 snaps at center or guard for Washington. Tyler Larson, Nick Martin, Chase Roulier, Wes Schweitzer, Sadiq Charles, Trey Turner, and Andrew Norwell. That's, uh, let's just say, <laughs> not good uh, to have that many players floating at your three starting interior offensive line positions. And I know I'm going a little heavy on pro football focus here, but their rankings, respectively, uh, at center, 26 out of 37 and 35 out of 37. That That's bad, right? 32 starting centers in the league. They have 26 and 35. Yuck. And then at guard, they have 40, 58, 65 um, out of 75. So they have the 40th, 58th, and 65th. So that is also very bad, right? Like you would say the worst team in the league should probably have the 32nd and 64th guard if everything was even. And Washington (laughs) doesn't even have that. So um, those are all really bad. But on the flip side, the Packers' run defense has been truly awful. They have given up the sixth most rush yards in the league and the eighth most yards per carry. So it's kind of a battle of bads here. But we know the talent level the Packers possess. Kenny Clark, Jerron Reed, Dean Lowry, TJ Slayton and company. They, They have to be better. Just flat out have to be better getting beating on the edge is one thing and and we know Rashawn Gary has struggled a little bit against the run uh Preston Smith has been better but um maybe inconsistent is is the way to go there um but with Brian Robinson coming downhill the Packers absolutely have to win in the middle of the field with a pretty serious talent advantage and I know a lot of disrupting the run game is getting penetration so can those players up front beat some pretty average to below average starters for Washington on the interior offense line. 
Yeah, so I'm going to take the Packers O-line then versus Washington's front seven. You obviously just talked about Green Bay's run defense getting after Washington's interior O-line, so I'm going to flip it. And I genuinely don't know if there's a bigger matchup on Sunday than the Packers offensive line against this Washington front. We saw the way that the Jets just completely took over last week's game in the trenches. And as much as Packers fans you know, wanted the team to run the ball more, and they should have, there were some drives where Rodgers had like two milliseconds to even make a decision before Quinn and Williams was in his lap or somebody else was there for a sack or a quarterback knockdown. So that challenge honestly could get worse this week when you think about the commander's front that they've got. Uh, they have 19 sacks so far this season and five different players have at least three. Um, this is also a unit made up of four first round picks. So it's clearly the area that they've invested the most capital in on the defensive side of the ball. You've got Jamin Davis from the 2021 uh, draft first round. He has got three sacks. Montez Sweat from 2019 first rounder. He's got three sacks. Deron Payne, 2018 first rounder, three and a half sacks. Jonathan Allen, 2017 first rounder with three and a half sacks. And that doesn't even include their 2020 first round pick, Chase Young, who's still coming back from his ACL injury uh, at some point this year. So, Thinking about those, you know, five really talented players, four of who the Packers will see on Sunday. Then you've got free agent acquisition F.A. Obata, who has three sacks despite playing only 38% of defensive snaps. So this is just a really nasty deep front. And I think they can attack, you know, with whoever's on the field in that rotation. That's going to cause some problems for Green Bay's offensive line. Um after, you know, what LaFleur had called the worst performance of his tenure at 1265 against the Jets uh, from his offensive line. So Rodgers has already taken 15 sacks this season through six weeks. In 2021, he had 30 sacks. And in 2020, the entire season, he only took 20. So I'm not blaming the offensive line for all of their struggles this year on offense, but certainly haven't done anything to really help the cause. And I think going into Sunday, they need to keep Aaron Rodgers upright, and then maybe we'll see a little bit more production from the offense. Yeah, and something tells me Washington, which can just absolutely beat you straight one-on-one -on -one pass rushing, right? Something tells me that they're probably going to run a few stunts in other games <laughs> in the pass rushing game based on what the Packers put on tape. So, man, they are going to have their hands full there. I uh, need to see a marked improvement in order to survive that and to give Aaron Rodgers enough time to be part of the key matchup that I'm going to talk about, and that's Aaron Rodgers against Cameron Curl and Derek Forrest. And if you don't know those two, those are the Washington Dancing Dan Snyder's starting safeties. Uh, they ha are, have been arguably the best safety combo in football so far this season. So Pro Football Focus has Cameron Curl as the number one safety in the league. And then my former draft crush, Derek Forrest, as number five. That, uh, I would dare say, is pretty good. Uh, Rodgers has seemed adamant that he's going to make some shot plays work. But absolutely none of this passing game is going to function if Rodgers cannot manipulate those safeties. So they have to get... The action, they have to actually get the run game going. And now I really believe this is going to involve playing Aaron Jones a little bit and maybe even giving him the ball from time to time. That like break in case of emergency sign that should be around his neck, break it. Uh, <laughs> it's an emergency. Uh, AJ Dillon has looked slow and, and like he lost some in agility. And we don't know, right? Like maybe it's an injury, maybe that's just perception. Maybe you did something different to prepare for the season. Maybe it's a little too much wine and cheese from Door County. I don't know. 
but we need to see Aaron Jones being utilized like the Chargers use Austin Eckler or the Saints use Alvin Kamara. Like, just keep using him. Keep using him. Basically, like, use him way more often than you actually don't. And if Rodgers can't move those safeties and the run game can't bring one of them down into the box, I don't know that this passing game can succeed. I mean, technically, yes, it can, but that would require number 12 to actually run the LeFleur offense, and we know that is not going to happen. So this could be a frustrating matchup with their ability to generate pressure and this great duo of safeties. And if Rodgers isn't secure with the ball, we could see some turnovers in this one. So Rodgers has all of the ability in the world. We know, right? Hall of Fame quarterback. He has the ability to beat this defense if he gets the opportunity, gets the time to do so, and he works within the offense. So I think this can happen, but if it doesn't, this is going to be a key matchup that's really, really going to hurt Green Bay. I'm not sure about you guys, but it still catches me off guard when I walk down the water aisle at the grocery store and see these new tall boys that look like beer chilling out in the middle of the bottled water section. Of course, it's not actually beer. It's liquid death, a new mountain spring water from the Alps that's available in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors. But why is it called Liquid Death, you may ask? Well, it's because Liquid Death donates 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Even better is that the use of their aluminum Tallboy cans is also helpful, as aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Friends, bottled water has always been boring to me, but there's absolutely nothing boring about Liquid Death. I love the crisp, refreshing pop of the can when I open it, and the water simply tastes better in a can than it does out of a bottle. Add in their three unique flavors. Personally, I love the lime, and the overall experience is infinitely better than any other water product. Plus, it just looks so much cooler holding a tall boy labeled Liquid Death that looks like you're holding a crisp, refreshing beer. So do me a favor and go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com packaday. That's liquiddeath.com packaday. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, 
and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Yeah, I'm glad you started talking about Aaron Jones because my second key matchup for this one is uh, Aaron Jones versus Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. And obviously that is a joke, but I, I really don't think that anyone in the Packer universe can handle another press conference that starts with it isn't good enough in regards to the number <laughs> of times Aaron Jones touches the football on Sunday. You know, we saw Aaron Rodgers earlier in the week go on the Pat McAfee show and talk about giving the ball to Jones more. And they've said, like, how do you do that? And he basically said, we give him the ball more. So I am just a woman podcasting in front of Matt LaFleur asking him to please let Aaron Jones touch the ball more. This is the easiest key matchup I think that we've ever come up with for this segment. You know, we're going into week seven. Jones has 532 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns. He's easily the best offensive skill player the Packers have at this point. So I I don't understand, you know, the discrepancy in the number of touches that he's getting every week. It certainly is not going to be easy to run on this Washington front. We already talked about why. We talked about the depth of talent that they have there. But there's other ways to get him involved, like you mentioned, that don't just involve him running directly into a guy like Deron Payne. doesn't have to be that way. Talked about the offensive line struggles. Talked about how Aaron Rodgers has struggled previously. So Jones, I think, is the guy that can alleviate a lot of that pressure and get this offense back on track, both in the run game and the receiving game. The Packers just have to utilize him and let him do that. Yeah, and I, you obviously knew who I was going to talk about as my key matchup, but not that I was going to go on a passive-aggressive rant about giving Aaron Jones the ball. But I really, really liked what you said in that you don't just have to give him the ball running up the middle. Now, and on one hand, it's okay to use Aaron Jones as a decoy too, but that would also involve him being on the field. And there were just way too many third downs against the Jets where he was standing on the sidelines, and I, I don't understand what that was all about. Um, but yeah, get him get him the ball out wide, throw him some swing passes, let him line up at receiver, uh, use him in the in that quick screen game um, as a wide receiver instead of a running back, or you know the screen game could work if uh, the Packers blocking could get their um, heads out of their you-know-whats and and get out in space and and do things properly. Um, so all all really important um, matchups that we will be watching. But now we transition into our X factors, um, and I am going to start. And I am not going to pick a singular player. I'm going to pick a position. <laughs> I'm going to go with right guard. Uh, And this is going to sound a little bit hyperbolic, but I think if Royce Newman plays at right guard, this game is in very, very serious jeopardy. He has been brutal. And what's worse, I think he actually drags down the play of both the center and the right tackle. And it is past time to move Elton back inside. Like, Elton, wonderful player, right? This is an all-pro caliber player. We know he can play right tackle, but... I don't think he's 100% right now, and you're putting him out on an island and expecting him to just be great, and and I don't think he's ready for that, and he's always been a better guard than he is a tackle. 
So move him back inside. Let Yash play right tackle. Um, I'd also be fine with Zach Tom at right guard or maybe even trying him out at left guard at this point based on John Rooney Jr. But I think you have to just find a way to get your best five on the field with Yash and Elton. And he's going to be so much more comfortable as guard as he continues to get that knee back under him. And I know everybody always says like playing right tackle is like for a left tackle is like learning to wipe with the other hand. Right. Kind of, but also, you know, like you're still blocking in place. There's a lot of things that change. Uh, You know, you go back to Ben Solak being a guest on the show and talking about groin tightness, which I know sounds funny, but like there's different muscles that you're using playing from one side to the other. Um, Obviously, that first step is going to be problematic, uh, you know, as you're learning that. But Yash has the ability to do that and just like, AKA he's better blocking in space than pretty much anybody that the Packers have been throwing out there besides David Bakhtiari. So get your best five on the field. I don't think that this is like a death knell on Royce Newman's career. I remember TJ Slayton looking absolutely brutal early on. And then he obviously turned around, turned into a great player, but you can't have Newman on the field right now. And the Packers saw it too. They replaced him with Jake Hansen, which is weird. Why Jake Hansen? I don't know. But then Hansen immediately gets hurt. They throw Newman right back in the game. I just don't quite understand the loyalty they're showing here. And if this offensive line doesn't improve incredibly quickly this season, the whole season could get out of hand. So I think who we see at right guard will be an X factor, whether that's positive or negative. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the things that we've been hearing kind of from LaFleur and Adam Senovich, it sounded like, uh, talked about it a little bit today. I think Yash Nyman was always kind of like hamstrung, for lack of a better term, um, being the the backup left tackle and having to rotate with David Bakhtiari. So hopefully now that it seems like Bakhtiari is, you know, back maybe 100% or at least really close to it where he's able to play full games, we'll see a little bit more flexibility along the line. And, you know, maybe now we'll see Yash actually get some looks at right tackle because he's he's got the availability to do it instead of having to be kind of the backup left tackle. And if that's all he ends up being for Green Bay, still a really valuable position. You still need a backup left tackle, especially knowing the, you know, the way that Bakhtiari's career has turned should something ever happen. But yeah, I think it's it's well past time to at least try to make some adjustments on that line. Um, but my X Factor this week is... Not a Packer, actually, for the first time, um, I think, since I've started doing this. But Taylor Heineke, he, to me, is one of the biggest question marks going into Sunday's game. Last season, when the two teams met up coincidentally in Week 7, again, he led both teams with 95 rushing yards when they met at Lambeau Field. So one of his biggest weapons going into this game is his legs. And the Packers have struggled to contain mobile quarterbacks in the past, and Heineke has proven that he can get out of the pocket and scramble when that's necessary. So... Green Bay defense is going to need to get off the field on Sunday and not let Heineke move the chains with his legs. We've talked about this commander's offense that's 29th in the NFL in points for. They're right now, they're averaging only 17 points a game. And yes, those points weren't scored with Heineke under center. That was the Carson Wentz effect. Um, but what that's what makes Heineke the X factor for this game. Washington hasn't scored over 20 points in a game since week two, and I just don't think the Packers can let Heineke be a spark to give that offense any juice on Sunday. They've been really stagnant. 
we all had to suffer through Thursday night football last week and see, you know, this Washington offense. So don't give them any motivation. And I think the Packers just need to to stay true to their defense, which actually looked like it was on an upward trajectory for part of last Sunday against the Jets. Yeah, and we've seen the Packers let worst quarterbacks extend drives <laughs> um, and, and, you know, lead scoring drives and things. Sometimes it's a spark to the offense to to get a new quarterback. Uh, sometimes it is that player who's kind of tough and and mobile and can extend drives with his legs that ends up sparking an offense. So, I mean, you know, the Packers got to be careful. We, we don't think this is a very good Washington offense. Uh, that's not a surprise. But, um, you know, we don't know how the Packers are going to score points either. So a lot of, a lot of really interesting things there. And yeah, absolutely. I really like that Taylor Heineke pick. Uh, and now is where we, where we talk about the path to victory, which used to be really easy. Like we would come up with these complex things of how the Packers uh, would win unless this really weird thing happens. And now, uh, well, it's a, maybe a little bit more basic um, and mine is certainly that uh, sort of generic, if you will, but stay ahead of the sticks. Um, no one likes running into the line on every first down, right? We and we actually just talked about this uh, when you were talking about Aaron Jones. But every time the Packers threw on first down, it felt like it immediately killed the drive against the Jets. And I would rather they use manufactured throws, right? That quick screen game to the wide receivers and and also go run heavy on first down if you want to pass they need to start getting some motion some jet sweeps throw it in the flat and also run some crossers if everyone is just going to play man against them all the time and this team cannot be as highly penalized as they have been penalties have also killed a bunch of drives Um, that's yet another thing that doesn't get talked about as much as it should uh, because of all the other problems that green bay is facing but um, this team cannot afford to be sloppy right now. So stay ahead of the sticks, keep it in second and seven, third and four, and I think that they can extend some drives, and then hopefully when they start to do that, it opens up some of the bigger plays in this offense. I'm going to actually disagree with you and say that the path to victory is Aaron Rodgers never throwing into the flat ever again because it hasn't worked the entirety of this season. But other than that, yeah, you know, the jet sweeps, the motion, I'm all about it. Just don't don't throw into the flat. But my path to victory this week is to let the defense eat. And I think, you know, before we saw the dam kind of break on Sunday against the Jets on the ground, the Packers defense was playing some really good football. Rashawn Gary still, you know, is Rashawn Gary tied for the league lead in sacks in the NFC with six. Jair Alexander, it was a lot of fun to see him get to shadow Garrett Wilson all game. Didn't allow a single completion when he was in coverage. So, you know, some credit due to Joe Barry there, regardless of whether he was told to make those adjustments by Matt LaFleur, his coaching staff, his players. He still actually made the adjustments and let his secondary play more press man and play to their strengths. And it clearly made a difference in the passing game. That's not to say that, you know, there isn't work to be done um, on the ground and defending against the run. But passing game, you know, I would say their arrow is pointing up. So, This is a commander's offense that we already talked about. It is not very good. So if the Packers play good, not perfect defense on Sunday, it should be more than enough for them to come out of FedEx field with a win, assuming that the offense is able to, let's say, say put up three scores. Ideally, though, I think, you know, the defense can help them out with a score of their own or at least a turnover for the love of football. Please, Packers defense, just, you know, let's let's get it. It's time for it. It's time for a takeaway. 
Yeah, I think I think we're just waiting for this offense to have like a big explosive day. Um, to they've had so many near misses. It's it's just like over and over and over. Something's always slightly off, especially on the shot plays. It's it's like okay, that would have been there if the pass protection had held up better. And then the next time the pass protection holds up, and it's like, that would have been there if Rodgers would have thrown a slightly better ball. And then the next time Rodgers throws a perfect ball and the receiver's in the wrong place or they drop it. (laughs) And it's like, eventually these things are going to come back to the law of averages, and we're going to see a maybe not potent offense, but we're going to see a more serviceable offense to complement this defense. And I think we'll see really good results from there. So... That is, unfortunately, all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack Day Podcast. You can find Maggie on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Make sure that you check out Pack's What She Said. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Fridays, as a reminder, at 4.30 p.m. Central Standard Time is the Pack Day Happy Hour. So check that out. Tuesdays are also the Pack Day Live Show. Uh, you can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every Friday. And next week, we'll be back previewing the Packers week week eight matchup against the Buffalo Bills, which will be a ton of fun. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember...